Thank you for joining us on another episode of American, American Timeline. I'm Amy. And I'm Grover Cleveland's... Nope, 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 nope. That's I'm Joe. Franklin Pierce's nipples? No. I'm that's Joe. Stupid. That's funny. It's great. That's really Franklin stupid. Franklin Pierce. You know who that is? Worst thing ever. Um, I'm Joe, and that's Amy, and welcome to episode... Five? five. Is I that right? Yeah. I'm losing count already. It is. Boy, it's five. We are. <laughs> it's just a smashing hit. Yeah, we can't count to five. We're going to have to write these numbers down before we... It's the drugs. It must be. It's the epidural. Epidural? I have an epidural. You have one right back. now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just got one tonight? I got, I got it for the podcast. I That's thought it'd make it interesting. more interesting. Now, some people like smoke a little weed before they no. do things. I like to do an epidural. That's weird. Um, but I can hear you slurping. Yeah, in there. hop slam. I want everyone to know I'm drinking hop slam. So welcome to episode f- five. Episode five. Nineteen still alive. And this one we're going to cover the year 1994. 1994. Yes. 1994. 1994. 1994. Um. So this year we're going to start this week. This week, yeah, this week we're going to start with the. A few corrections and apologies. Corrections and apologies. Corrections. Could you could you sing that? Could corrections you? and apologies. See, that sounded good. Now I can use that each time. Kind of like I did the ball. corrections and apologies. Corrections and apologies. Yo, you liked that last time, didn't you? Nope. Okay, so just a couple of things I had. There might be more, uh, but I'm sort of I sort of hastily wrote them down this time because really nobody's listening, so who cares? Number one. Moises Alou was who I named when you told me to name seven Blue Jays. I said Moises Alou. I oh, yeah. Just, I just like saying the name Moises Alou. Yeah. He was never a Blue Jay. I even looked it up because I thought maybe he was a Blue Jay for a second because a lot of t- guys oh, play for yeah. multiple but teams. Nope, you were Like wrong. Ricky Henderson has played for every single team. Moises Alou was not ever a Blue Jay, and I didn't ever think he was. I just like saying Moises Alou. I think you totally thought he was. Do you? Does he ring a bell to you at all, Moises I've Alou? I've heard the name. But do you know why you've heard the name at all? It was a big thing that he did that you – this is probably one of the only things in baseball you would have heard of. Was it? Did I ask him to for where the bathroom was in a bar? <laughs> no, no, that was Minnie Minoso, which you did that. You did it also. You did that. Uh, our, our Cubs great. Brian McCartney was appalled because you, you were like, "Hey, can I get some cheese fries over here or whatever it was?" It was and, you, and it was. Can I order some food, jackass? He's like, "That's Minnie Minoso. What are you doing?" <laughs> He owned a bar in Chicago that we were in, and Amy didn't know who it was him. I didn't know it was him either, but Brian recognized him. I was very <laughs> embarrassed. No, Moises Alou was part of that that Cubs. They almost made the World Series, but Steve Bartman. Oh, yeah. Uh, Steve, he was the one that was going to catch it or he something? He was the guy who went to catch it, and Steve Bartman oh, that's, uh, I do know now. took yep. the ball away. Um, I, did, I forgot it. his name. So that was Moises Alou. So he would have caught the ball Steve Bartman stole. But that's not the year we're talking about. But we're not. That's not the year we're talking about. Get back on track. Talk about 1994. 1994. Now, uh, oh, there's more corrections and apologies. Because um, 1994 was the, the numbers on my varsity jacket. That's when I graduated high school, mm-hmm. baby. Corrections and apologies. Number two, Soul Asylum. I said, oh, number two, I was talked about the Beastie Boys concert I went to, New yes. Year's Eve, 92, Drove 93. On on about I that. went on and on about it. We edited most of it out, so thanks to my <laughs> wife. 25 It minute. was a great story. If you ever story. want to hear it, uh, hit me up at history of jer- historyforjerks at gmail.com, and I'll tell you the full story, because I... I missed. I left out some things. One, right. one particular thing is, I said we weren't in the front row anymore. We were still in the front row. We just weren't front row center. We were all the way to the right. Anyway, um, I said that um, Collective Soul opened for them. I meant oh. to say Soul Asylum. Okay. I don't know if I know the difference between those two. Yeah, things. I don't either. Uh, they both. I, I really don't. I have no idea what the difference is. I can no. probably look it up, but I'm not going to because who gives a crap? Uh, somebody out there does, and they're very yeah, they're, upset. They're really mad. I wonder if anybody likes both of those. Groups. Uh, and another group that opened was called Brotherhood Recipe. I remember that. They were an open. They were a local group. So I wonder what ever happened to them. Corrections and apologies. Uh, number three, I just wanted to say Purple Crackle again. Yeah. I just want to say that. I don't really have anything, although I did look it up online just because oh, I was curious. Right. Yeah. The only thing I found on it, there was an article somewhat recently that the Purple Crackle uh, became a gentleman's club. 
No surprise. Yeah, so it's not a meat market dance club anymore. It's a gentleman's club now. Corrections and apologies. Number four, uh, I mentioned the TV sitcom Room for Two, and I said it starred Linda Lavin, which we, we really yes, we paid most attention to Linda Lavin and how great we, she was. But yeah. I, I realized that I, I called her co-star Marsha Heaton. It's Patricia Heaton. It's Patricia Heaton. Yeah. And so Marsha and Patricia sound the same kind, I guess. I mean, I, I don't want to make excuses. Well, yeah, you do. But You're th- trying to. But does any, do any of us really care about no. Patricia Heaton, really? No. There was, there's somebody out there who's a big Patricia Heaton fan, and they are pissed. Well, you know what, Patricia Heaton fans? Guess what? I don't want you as a fan of American Timeline. So <laughs> hey, now. if you're listening right now and you're a Patricia Heaton fan, no, I'm just kidding. We want Patricia Heaton fans. In fact, I'm going to, That's, I want to market th- this to the Patricia Heaton fan club. Do a maybe hashtag we, or whatever. Yeah, maybe we'll get big enough for Patricia Heaton will, did I say Marsha Heaton again? Patricia no, Heaton. you said Patricia. Patricia Heaton will uh, maybe come on our show someday. Yeah, maybe. When we have a touring show, we'll like tour show featuring opening act it Patricia Heaton. would say, babe. And she'll write a song called, My Name Is Not Marsha. All right. Corrections and apologies. I listened back to last episode, and I didn't realize I need to listen to you more. When I was talking to you about Yokozuna, and they were all taking turns trying to body slam him, yes. I realized by your questioning now, I must have missed you your question then or how you said what, it. Uh, you didn't know what a body slam is. Because like, you, you said, oh, they slammed their bodies into him? <laughs> And I didn't. I just missed you saying that, and I just went on. I just took it. For oh, granted. they throw them on the ground. Yeah, that's what oh. body slams. They pick somebody up and they body. Sl- oh. They slam their body on it's the ground. Important distinction. Yeah, and I just, I honestly just assumed that all human beings <laughs> knew what a body just slam. knew what that was. Well, I maybe it was. You just, have not watched a single minute of wrestling. No, you've I, never watched a wrestling re- pay per view. I refuse. You've never watched wrestling? No. Not, not I, no, I take that back. I, in the 70s, I watched wrestling at the Chase. It was on right after Tarzan on Sunday morning. That's a it TV was one show? Of the five, yeah, it was one of the five channels that we had, and it was in St. It it was was Louis. In St. Louis. Yeah. Local, right? But it was, yeah. But it was Iceman King Parsons? Yeah, exactly. So why did you watch it? It was one of the. It was the only thing on that wasn't a religious program. It's Sunday morning, and there's five channels. So what else are you gonna do? So wrestling, so wrestling to you is, I hate it, I detest it, but it's better than religious programs. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so at the bottom of your barrel is, is religion. Religious. Jerry Falwell. Right, right before all. that is wrestling. Yes, that's pretty good. All right, what has happened in 1994? Oh, geez, God, why do you have to ask me everything? Um, 1994. It was a great year. I graduated from high school. I became a man. I turned 18. Yeah. I um, I, I slept with over 17 all women. Right, oh, all right. All right. Just kidding. No, I became a man in 1994. Um, I was class president. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Here senior we go. Class. Boom. In, prom king in your whatever. face, Crystal Alexander. No, she was president every single year, and then I I you usurped her throne. Well. Because in fifth grade, I lost class president. We're getting a big no, no. personal story again. <laughs> I was still bitter from fifth grade, so I wanted to take it away. I wanted to do that, so I got signatures or whatever. And Crystal was mad. She said, you don't even want to be president. You just want it because it's a popularity contest. And I was like, well, maybe that's true. But I became class president, and I regret it ever since. Because okay. now all I got out of the deal was I have to plan all the class reunions. And that's kind of to make what you get – Class president once, yeah, and you have to plan every class reunion. <laughs> I that, know, and that's not it's true. Bullshit. That can't be true. Well, there's only nine people in my class. What about 89. the other years that they were the other class president? I don't know. I, well, Crystal doesn't want to anyway, so she's probably glad. She's probably like, "Oh, dodged a bullet there. Yep. Idiot boy ran for president. And that's right. Took that stupid responsibility away from me. So I'm gonna give it back to her. I'm gonna resign. I'm gonna see if I can resign. Do that. Can I resign in um, shame, like yes. Nixon? 1994. Let's go back. Let's take our American time machine. Yes. Our American timeline time machine back to 1994. You like that? Ladies and gentlemen, we were lucky this episode. We scored an interview with world-renowned factologist, Mr. Armand Crisp. So, ladies and gentlemen... Welcome, Armand Crisp. Yes, it's great to be on American Sidelines. No, Timelines. American Timelines, yes. Welcome, Armand. Of course, American Timelines. Thank you for having me, Grover and Ami. Oh, Grover, thank you. (laughs) He called me Grover. I heard him. And uh, and nice to meet you too, Ami. Uh, Amy is fine. Amy? Uh, Yes. It's it's spelled A-M-Y? Yes. Ami, right. 
No. On, oh, I'm sorry. Where I'm from, we pronounce that a, uh, a me. I apologize. Oh. I apologize. Amy. That's Amy. okay. <laughs> All right. It's good to meet you two. I have some wonderful facts for you today about the year 1994. Sweet. Right. Oh, really? Great. Great. Um, what can you share with us? Okay. Well, a lot of people, <clears throat> excuse me, may not remember this, but what? Oh, my God. That's huge. What's the matter? Is something right, going on? It's right on his asshole. It's oh. <laughs> oh. Excuse me, Armand. Can take him to the vet. We can't afford to the vet. Oh. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Amy. Uh, Mr. Chris. Apologize. I apologize. It's just uh, some uh, business. Everything okay? In my house. Don't touch it. Do not. <laughs> Don't. Don't touch it. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Crisp, is this a bad time? <laughs> no, no. It sounds like there's just do some... not, do not. No, I, I Mr. Apologize. Do not touch no, it. Listeners, sorry, okay. I'm on Chris. Right, we're, we're, we're fine. I just have a little problem with our family dog. We're okay. Um, oh, so, are you sure you? I we can do this another time. Uh, 1994. I yes. Yes. No, they're not paying me. They're not <laughs> paying me. It's some Frankie Jake American sideline. I wonder if we should. Uh... I don't know. Okay. Do think... All right. I'm on the phone. All right. So I have this. Um, 1994 is when Pulp Fiction yeah. came out. And I have this wonderful story about Samuel L. Jackson and John oh, yeah. Colter, which I don't think anybody has ever heard. Okay. So express it. It tells you to express the gland. I don't oh, even know what it is. <laughs> it's a, um, I don't even know if it's a gland. Don't touch it. Oh, no. I'm going to barf. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is a lot of pus. Oh, oh. <laughs> Mr. 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 Chris. Mr. Chris. Give me a glass of goddamn water. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, my God. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <Mr>. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I got Mr. Chris. Are you okay, Mr. Chris? Oh. Armand, did we lose him? I think we lost. Oh him. my goodness! Um, I guess I, it was a bad time. Yeah, I don't know what happened. We'll try to get Armand Chris back, <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know. I'm not sure what happened to him. Uh, it's something really bad. I yeah, maybe it was a bad time. Maybe we'll check back with him next episode. Okay. 1994. Tanya Harding, the yes. antagonist, and oh. Nancy Kerrigan, the protagonist. Ice skating rivalry resulted in some friends of Tanya, including her husband. Jeff Gillooly. Jeff Gillooly, yep. Gillooly and Associates, Sean Eckert and Shane Stant. I don't remember hearing those other names. Attempting to bust Nancy's kneecaps at the U.S. Figure Skating Championship. She had to withdraw, but did well for herself with endorsements and winning the silver medal in the Olympics in 1994. Yeah. Yep. And, yep. and that's funny. That happened in 1994, and now it's big again this year. Yeah, because that of the movie. Mo there's a movie. The movie. What do you know about that movie? Anything? I've just heard it's good. What's the name of it? I, Tanya. I, Tanya. And it's yeah. like, is it supposed to be like, I, Tanya, swear to... I is have that no why idea. it's called I, Tanya? Or is Maybe. Like, does she become a robot? Like, I, Tanya. <laughs> no, she's not a robot that says I, Tanya. No, you're like, I, Tanya, like, I... <laughs> what's that? I, I, robot? I, uh, robot, wasn't I, it? Ro uh, yeah. Remember, I, I thought robot? you were talking about Audrey. No, no. Our daughter said, I, a robot, one time. When she, when she was, was two. Because I would always pretend to be a robot. But no, I thought it was from like the movie, I, Robot. Like, oh, right. I got it. I, Robot. Like, no, I don't think it's that. Tanya Harding it's not becomes that. a robot and then destroys Nancy Kerrigan or something? No. It's definitely not that. And yeah, this was great. I mean, I didn't really know anything about ice skating before that happened, but it was a kind of a, oh, man, what the hell did they mm -hmm. do? A crowbar? What a crazy thing. Um I don't. I didn't see it because I don't watch the Olympics as we've covered already. No, but, yeah, me but neither. I I saw the that. But you know, you heard about. It. Yeah, remember they just kept showing her going. Oh my! Why did she? Why? Or, or, yeah, why? why? She's crying. Why? And it was such a big thing. But here's a weird thing: is I don't know if it's just my life or the '90s in general. But I look back on that and it just like I that and OJ. Everything just screams white trash to me. Yeah. It, well, Tanya Harding. Yeah, she was. It's like. Are the night were the nineties just white trash or was it just I was white trash in the nineties? You were white trash in the nineties. Yeah. So it's just like everything is white trashy. Like everything I remember is white trash. Like I just like a big heap of white trash. Wait till we get to the eighties. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was you white think trash. the nineties are white trash? Uh, um, yeah, maybe we should change the name of this podcast to White Trash Timelines. Yeah, really. Let's we'll talk about what us two white trash people remember. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely white trash. You're. 
You were poor white trash. Yeah, I still am white trash. Yep. <laughs> Anything else about the Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan thing? Hugh Devine was a good friend of ours. Uh, he worked with Amy, and he was, what was he a facilities guy? Yeah. Facilities guys are always great. Wherever you work, yep. make friends with a facilities right. guy and just talk to him because you'll get funny stories. Uh, so Huey used to say about Nancy Kerrigan, what would he say? She, she could eat an apple through a picket fence. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, he would say, she could eat an apple through a picket fence, that bitch. Yeah. yeah he would call That's her, how he would say He would it. say that bitch. Everything. He was Archie yeah. Bunker yeah. on speed. 1994. Uday Hussein, son of Saddam Hussein, oversaw the imprisonment and torture of Iraqi athletes who were deemed not to have performed to expectations. In Ooh. one case, imprisoned football players were forced to kick a concrete ball after failing to reach the 1994 <gasps> oh FIFA my God. World Cup Finals. Ouch. Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. That's terrible. Well, he was a terrible person. 1994. The top song of 1994 was I'll Make Love to You by Boyz II Men. When you want me to and I hold you tight, no, baby. Oh, I'm seducing you right now. Oh, All through it's, the that's night. That's a terrible song. Girl, relax. Let's go slow. Right. I ain't got nowhere to go. I don't know how you don't love Boyz II Men. What's wrong with you? Why did I marry you? Uh, big movies were Forrest Gump, The Lion King, and True Lies. You're a big yeah. Forrest Gump fan, right? I remember Everybody all those. Forrest Gump is great. Um, I, I do like Forrest Gump. I had Henry watch it. Yeah, it's great. It's still great. Yeah. It stands up. Does, yeah, it holds it does up, stand doesn't up. it? Um, George Foreman Grill was released in 1994. Oh, yeah. Oh. That long ago. <laughs> I didn't know this happened, and I barely remember this guy, but TV host Ray Combs. Remember him? Yes. From fam, uh, Family he was, Feud? Like, he was in some kind of a sexual... Something oh, right, right? There was something about him being in a set. Is that maybe? Him? Yeah, maybe not. Anyway, Ray, maybe Ray Combs. There's a lot of weird. If you look back at everybody that hosts a Family Feud, something like, weird. A lot happens. of things. A lot of people got killed. Yeah. And killed themselves. And That's stuff. right. So something might have happened. I think Ray him. Combs killed himself. Ray Combs might have, but this isn't about that. This is about his last Family Feud episode. It ended with a contestant zero in fast money. Combs told the contestant, "Thought I was a loser until you walked up here. You made me feel like a man." Combs, Combs then walked off during the end credits and drove home without saying goodbye to anyone. He had been let go prior to the episode taping. Oh, my gosh. So they let him go, and then he had to and go then he on? he had to go tape, yeah. So he just called somebody a moron and then <laughs> left. I like that kind of. Yeah. 1994. According to his biography, Kim Jong-il yeah. first picked up a golf club in 1994 at North Korea's only golf course and shot a 38 under par round that included no fewer than 11 holes in one. Uh, Satisfied yeah, right. with his performance, he reportedly immediately declared his retirement from the sport. 1994. Oh, this is cool. You'll like this. Okay. Miss hate sports. Nobody won the World Series that year. Oh, wow. You want to know why? 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 What do you think? Because it rained. They couldn't play. So in your mind, you think it rained one day, and they just said, <laughs> let's cancel the whole World Series. All right. I was joking. You were? Yes, I was joking. Well, what do you think? I don't know. It was a tie? No, no, uh, no. You think it's just like they just never ended the game? I don't know. No, I, I, I'm i asking you because I didn't think you'd ever imagine this would happen. But there was a strike. The oh, a MLB strike. MLB Players Association. Not like a strike. baseball strike. <laughs> no. <laughs> like no, a, a player strike. A player strike. They were on strike. strike, yeah. Oh, okay. So, but I, what I don't know is why some years um, – uh, they get scrubs that cross the picket line. Maybe yeah. somebody scabs, scabs, not scrubs, scabs, which who are, are scrubs. Yeah. Um, True. And TLC don't want them. No. Um, and other times they just don't play. So I, they probably couldn't find anybody across the picket lines. But I remember there was years in football when the, all the terrible players played. And so there's a Super Bowl. Well, football, they don't have the ethics they do in baseball. You don't think? You think they have more ethics in baseball? Well, there's less. They, pl they play 165 games, so they got less. It up. seems like there's less crime in ba with baseball players than football players. Maybe Super Bowl champs for Dallas Cowboys, NBA champs Houston Rockets. I know you love sports. Uh, uh, I don't care about hockey. New York Rangers. Nobody cares. No. Um, remember Andre Agassi? Yes. You loved him. He was no. like a U.S. tennis guy then. I didn't love him. He thought he was hot. No, not really. Cheated on me with him once. No, definitely not. You want to guess who won the Kentucky Derby that year? Nope. You don't even want to guess what the horse's name was? I, I would never know. I would never, ever, ever know. What is it? Go for gin. All right. What's next? 1996. 
a 75-pound bag of cocaine fell out of a plane Whoa. and landed in the middle of a Florida crime watch meeting. No way. Yeah. How cool is that? That's pretty funny. 1994. I never heard about that. Um, um, yep. Yeah. While I was playing on stage with Lothario of my high school so band. So thinking, think that. about you're sitting there at the crime watch meeting. Crime watch meeting. And a giant... Cocaine. A bag of cocaine drops in the middle of the meeting. And if it fell out of a plane, think of the velocity by right. the time it gets to the ground. Yeah, it's a rocket. Man. It's a, cr- it's a crack rocket. A crack rocket. I like... You have a crack rocket. Yeah, a lot of ladies tell me that. <laughs> they like my crack rocket. 1994. Uh, <laughs> the Good Times virus, a fraudulent virus warning that first appeared in 1994. Uh... The, the email claimed that an email virus with the subject line Good Times was spreading all kinds of computer problems. Oh, I don't remember yeah, I don't about that. I don't think I even had email in 94. Like, I didn't have email until college. I don't know about you. Yeah, I Did you even have it in college? Uh, near the end, but very, email? very end. I can't even fathom that we didn't even have an email. Like, people no. look at me crazy when I tell them we didn't have a cell phone. Like, we couldn't text no. in college. We didn't have car phone even and and yeah we called them car phones anybody who had a cell phone was yep. a car phone was a rich guy yep. what we would do in 94 if we saw somebody on the highway with a car phone yeah we every single time we did this it was without we didn't even have to talk about it. we just all did it yeah all my friends got our took our shoe off and put it up to our head and yeah, like we were the, talking to them that's stupid now mm-hmm. every single person in the world has one and is talking admit, on the phone while they're I'll driving admit, i would be lost if i went back in time and time oh, machine yeah. to 94 right now and they said okay, you wouldn't you know to what go, to do with your you thumbs. Have to go live in your your 18 year old life for a year i would you wouldn't know what i would i would be like i what's going on i don't know what's going on what's yeah. going on in the world where's twitter what's going on what who what how do i get a hold of anyone yep. what do i do true I'd be panicked. I couldn't do it now. 1994. David Crosby was yes. the recipient of a highly publicized yes. liver transplant in 1994. Did you know, do you remember this? I, I do remember something about this. I bet you didn't know this. What? It was paid for by Phil Collins. No. Yeah. Why, why was it paid for by Phil I, Collins? I don't know, but news of his transplant created some controversy because of his celebrity status and his past problems oh, he got with the drug organ. and alcohol oh, addiction. Yeah. So he yeah. gets a... You know, he gets a be first in line a new liver, but he ruined his liver with alcohol, yeah. and everybody's mad. Nineteen ninety four. You'll like this one. This is still this is weird. You're gonna like okay. dream about this. What Oakville, Washington, experienced a rainstorm mm-hmm. in which gelatinous blobs fell onto Ooh. a farm. Ooh! The blobs were examined and found to contain human white blood cells, but Ooh. they did not contain nuclei. What's which is mean? something human white cells have. Yeah. So they had human white blood cells without nuclei, which isn't I, possible. So it's it won't be a human white blood cell then, will it? Won't it be something and That's different? the weird thing. They said human white blood cells have that, so they were like white blood cells of something. Theories human. persist, but none have been proven correct. Huh. They were human white blood cells, I but they didn't have something that, that all human white blood cells have. So they were like... And they fell from the sky. Yeah, that's weird. You know, what the hell what, is that? Yeah. I, what, is, what the hell is that? What in that? the world? What in the hell? Yeah. What in the hell is that? Yeah. What in the hell is that? Well, I never. I can't believe that's a thing that happened. Like, I, Yeah. I, uh, I can't imagine the cause of something like yeah, that yeah, happening. So I'm going to think about that for a while. Yeah. 1994. So... You know, I, I briefly mentioned that the New York Rangers, and I, I quickly said nobody cares about hockey, but there are people that care. Yes. But, but this is, makes it m- more like interesting. A, more interesting. The champion New York Rangers mm-hmm. got drunk and left the Stanley Cup at a strip club. And left the Stanley Cup? Oh, the Yeah, the, you know what the Stanley oh, Cup the trophy? is? Yeah, the big giant at trophy. At the strip club? Yeah, they, they oh got drunk God. and went to a strip club, and they left it there. Oh, the last Lord. Guy, Charlie, you got that, man? You go yeah, that, man? Really? It's like 7 in the morning. You got that? Idiots. Yeah, they left it there. That's what they get. 1996. Colombian soccer player Andreas Escobar was murdered by the Galleon gang for accidentally scoring a goal against his team in the World Cup. Oh, my gosh. In the World Cup. He was murdered? He was that? murdered. Wow. He was murdered by the Galleon gang. 1996. A Russian pilot for Aeroflot Flight 593 let his 15-year-old son and 12-year-old daughter try to fly the aircraft. That's always a good idea. Yeah. 
That's nice. That's a, they were having a good time. The kids unknowingly disabled the autopilot. The plane crashed into a hillside in Siberia, killing all 63 passengers oh and 12 gosh. crew members. Well, there you go. My question on that is how do they know that's what he did? Well, they got the black the box. The black box told you that, you think? Why can't they make the whole plane out of the black box? That's what I've always wondered. That's not Is that my a comedy joke. thing? Is yeah. that a joke from somebody else? Yeah, I don't Louis know. Louis Anderson, maybe? No, but it's. I've heard it. Yeah. I think it's a trope. Seinfeld. Something. Sounds like a Seinfeld yeah. thing. 1994. On June 17th, a white Ford Bronco belonging to O.J. Simpson's friend Al Cowlings was watched by the entire nation since it was carrying a now fugitive O.J. Simpson who was holding a gun to Al's head. That's not what they did in the movie. A note from O.J. sounding like a suicide note was read to police by his lawyer. Do you remember where you were? When, when, uh, when the chase? I was at Flat Rock, North Carolina. I didn't know anything about it. You were in North Carolina? Yeah. Oh, and I, you didn't have TV I there. didn't. Yeah, I didn't know anything about play, it. You were in a... a I called... What were you there for? A Summersock Theater? So, yeah. A, and I called my mom, and she said, did you hear about OJ? And I was like, OJ who? OJ Simpson, the football player? And did she you even said, know who he was then? Yeah, it hurt, yeah, yeah. he's been in movies and stuff. Yeah. And um, she, she told me, too. and I was like, what? That's bizarre. So you didn't so. see the chase or anything? No, nope, I missed all of it. I missed that and I missed the Macarena. Both both of those things happened that summer. And I, <laughs> and I you, you came got, back you, from, and I'm like, what? What in the world happened? What is this dance? I, I remember watching the chase on television. My big thing was, he's going real slow. Just catch him. Yeah. Just cut him off. Like yeah, he's right. going slow. I didn't know the whole bit about having a gun against Al Collins' head. I think I was just like, I don't understand this. Is it because he's a celebrity? They just follow him slowly or what's going on? So you didn't know his wife was murdered or anything? I think they said, maybe they did say that, that his wife was murdered and stuff. And um, But you didn't know that? But more I remember about the verdict. When the verdict came out, I remember exactly where I was. I skipped class. I do remember that. Steve Bishop and I skipped. We were in school then, right? Yes. And, and they brought a TV in. Did they? Because uh, I worked in the bookstore, the school bookstore, oh, and they put, they rolled in a TV, and everybody at the whole campus was watching the TV. Watched the verdict? Yep. And did you guys celebrate? No. You were very upset? We were. We just couldn't believe it. I Nobody was mad or anything. We just were shocked. What? Yeah. Because everybody thought he was going to go to prison. Well, Steve Bishop and I, we celebrated. Because like we loved him in Naked Gun, yeah, he was like a hero of ours, and we really were just like, you know, they're just trying to frame him, and we hear, we know all the yeah, racist you hear all police the racist stuff, stuff came out, and, and so we were like high fiving each other and like yes, he and got now off. you probably feel awful. and well I don't know I don't really you know I don't really know we still don't know what really oh happened. give me a break okay we probably do but he totally you know, did it my thing is you should be able to there should be a formula like however many touchdowns you got. You should be able no. to kill that many amount of people. No, 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 <laughs> now, no, I don't no, say, no, no. I'm not saying one per touchdown. I'm saying if you scored no. 100 touchdowns. No, that doesn't give you any. One person. You get to kill one person. No. If you get 200 touchdowns in your career, two no, people. No, that's insane. No, you should be able to kill one person. No. One. As no. long as you get 100 touchdowns. No. He had a lot of touchdowns. He was a really good player. And he was care. great on naked guns. So I don't care. He was an, he's an awful those, person. Well, I mean, it's just murder. He's a wife abuser. Yeah, well, I don't like that. But, but you don't care that he killed her? Well, not her. You should just kill, like... Nobody. Mm-hmm. Nobody. What about, like... No. Hate, no. hate groups? Nobody. Okay. Nobody should die? Nobody okay. should die in this podcast. Yeah, but he, what if you score 200 touchdowns? No. Can you kill anyone? No. And you can't have it regardless, so... Well, I'm never going to score 100 touchdowns. I never scored one. So, see? I almost did once in... Uh, junior varsity game all right what's next carry the ball all the way down the field we always get back to your to high school years the, somebody gave it to somebody else for the goal lines all right damn it 1994 brief celebrity marriages michael jackson and lisa marie Presley oh, yes. got married briefly that's right um and there's a joke about that later um richard gear and cindy crawford yeah remember, I remember that? that i remember not liking richard gear very much because you know, every single guy thought, well, I have a chance with Cindy Crawford. Yeah. So I hate Richard Gere. He's taken my woman away. Um, Cindy Crawford was everything. Uh, in the ni- in 94, yeah. In 94, she was the beginning. She was in the George Michael video she where was they're the in the bathtub. And she was in those Coke, was it Diet Coke commercials yeah. that her mole, everyone wanted to lick her mole. That's gross. No, it's not gross. She was the perfect human. 
Well. Oh, my God, Cindy Crawford. I mean, it was Cindy Crawford this, it was Cindy Crawford that. Ask Drew Connolly, friend of the show, Drew Connolly. He's an Irish uh, fool who lives in Florida. Love Cindy Crawford. Wouldn't stop talking. Cindy Crawford. Okay. So, sorry. Quit yelling and screaming at me about it. Cindy Crawford. She was the everything. Every guy. All right, all right. We get the picture on that. Cindy Crawford. Um. Anyway, and then Richard Gere, we have to, can't mention Richard Gere without talking about... No, we're not talking about gerbils. Ger- we're <laughs> not. We're not doing that. No. Gerbils? We're not, we're not doing that. We're not even going to bring it up? Not even we're not for even, a minute. We're not bringing it up right now? Not even right this now. This isn't talking about it? The gerbil? Nope. So you think it's not true? Let's move on. You're not even going to tell me if you think it's true or not. It's not. Okay. It's not. It's not? 1994. Oh, there's four deaths. Okay. Right, you know how we have the... The comedian. Yeah, there's like uh, airplane deaths. And death. yeah. These are all different kinds of deaths. Okay. I'm going to give you all four. Okay. And if you can guess. guess any of the four. Yeah, what do I get? You get to murder one person. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Rock and roll death. No, I'm going to say them all before God. you guess. Okay. Rock and roll death. Serial killer prison death. Oh. Beloved comedian death. Ooh. And disgraced politician death. Well, Kurt Cobain. Yes, he is, is the rock, the and, roll rock and roll death. death. Right. Suicide. Uh and then that was tragic. He was great. Nirvana was yes. awesome. Even though I couldn't remember Kurt Cobain's name last episode, yep. it's not due to his not being great. It's because I couldn't remember it. Nirvana is yes. awesome. Gosh, All right. they're still going. What were the other ones? Serial killer prison death. Uh, ninety four. Yeah, you know this. Was it John Wayne Gacy? It no, was, it was a subject of a previous. Oh, podcast. Bundy. No, our previous podcast episode. Dahmer. Two. It was Jeffrey Dahmer. Dahmer That's was murdered right. in ninety four. Yeah. Why didn't I know that? I don't know. I'm really. I'm really disillusioned yeah i know and i'm also um disappointed i know you're you're Um, definitely dejected bloom is off the rose i don't know if i can what else was it a comedian every rose has its thorn the beloved comedian death oh phil hartman no oh not yet that was later okay because i remember where i was on that one too when i heard that this one i'm still upset about chris farley no no better same size but better jim belushi no same size as is Chris Farley. Size. I thought you meant physical. No, wait, yeah, I did. Weight size. Oh. Jim Belushi was. John, John Candy. Belushi was, yeah, John Candy. That's right. Gosh, I still wish he was alive. Yeah. And the last one. So you got, you finally got. What's the last three. one? I don't know if it's murder. You, I had to lead you to that one. So yeah. I don't know if you get to murder anybody. I know. Well, I got, one. you said if I got one right, I could, though. I did? Yeah, you All said right. if who I do got want, any Well, who do you want to murder? I don't want to murder anybody. If you could murder somebody. It would probably be you, honey. Oh! No, I'm kidding. Boom. This is recorded for history. And I know. If, I am, if I'm dead, everyone, right. listen to this episode and That's convict right. her. That's right. It was her. Yep. I tell everyone everywhere that you threaten I me. leave notes around the house that say- Oh, me if, too. If, I found, if I'm found dead, my, my work computer is filled with- Word documents that just say my Amy so did it. So whoever dies first, the other one's just going to go to prison. Yeah, that's my goal. That's 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 my goal. I don't care what happen. happens. I want you in prison, but and I want our kids raised by uh, Marley Matlin. All right, what's next? Disgraced politician death. You didn't guess that one. I Nixon. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I didn't know he lived on ninety four. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's either. crazy. Yeah, I that's crazy to me. Earlier, nineteen ninety four. REM's nineteen ninety four song. What's the frequency, Kenneth? Slows down towards the end because bassist Mike Mills had an appendicitis attack and had to be rushed to the hospital. Oh, and they liked that. They chose to keep it. Really? Is that crazy? That is crazy. I didn't know that was a thing. 1994. Green Day joined the lineups of both the Lollapalooza Festival and Woodstock 94, where the group started an infamous mud fight. During the concert, a security guard mistook bassist Mike Durnt for a stage invading fan and punched out some of his teeth. Oh my God! Yeah. Really? Yeah, isn't that great? Whoa, that's a little overkill. I like that that happened. 1994. October 1994. Yeah. Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, The Shawshank Redemption, Yeah, The Lion King, and Jurassic Park were all in the theaters at the same time. Yeah, those are some good films. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Those were all really good. I remember Pulp Fiction being... Oh, that was one movie, though, I didn't want to see ever again after I saw it. Yeah, you don't really need to see it again, except that... It's, <clears throat> there's so many really disturbing scenes in that. 1994. Did you know that the late River Phoenix was supposed to be the interviewer in Interview with a Vampire? I did not. But he died, so yes. Christian Slater got his role. Christian Slater's kind of a tool. 
Well, you might change your tune when you hear this. Christian Slater donated his entire paycheck from the movie to mm. all of River's favorite charities. Oh, that's lovely. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, I never saw that movie, did you? Yes. I did not give a shit about a bunch of vampires kissing each other. It was one of the most poorly casted movies because I really, really liked those books. Because of Christian Slater? Oh, there were books? No, first? it was Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt that played the vampires. Tom Cruise fucking sucks. Tom Cruise does suck. I mean, and, let's and just go on record. Can we just get this out? Yeah, Tom Cruise sucks. Tom Cruise not only sucks, he's insane. Yeah. He's a brainwashed, crazy person. Yep. I mean, he ruined our Katie Holmes. And I say our, for I say this for the people of Toledo, Ohio. She's our person. She's, <laughs> she's not ruined. She's better than ever. She is better than ever because guess who she's with now, you know? You no. know who she's dating? No. Jamie Foxx. Oh. You take my money. Oh, that's when awesome. When I'm in need. So screw Tom Cruise. And she got away from those crazy... Uh, Scientologists. Great. Now Scientologists aren't going to want to listen to our podcast. Oh, great. So we've lost the KKK. Yep. And we've lost Scientologists. Missouri. Everyone in Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what was the other one? Uh, uh, Patricia Heaton fans. Yep. 1994. Adam West, Clint Eastwood, and Burt Reynolds were all offered the role of James Bond, but turned it down. Oh. Liam Neeson turned down the role in 1994 because he didn't want to be in action movies. And then he became a big action movie person. Yeah, that's crazy. 1994. Stella Liebeck, or Liebeck? Mm-hmm. Stella Liebeck sued McDonald's after spilling hot coffee in her lap. Oh, my God. Leaving her with third-degree burns. That's right. Liebeck initially sued for $20,000 to cover her medical and living expenses, but the jury ultimately awarded her $160,000 plus an extra 640000 for punitive damages. Good. Now, that's a lot of money. Yeah, but... So, I don't know if it's worth that, but I spilled mcdonald's coffee yep, on my wrist one time and it i brought the two coffee immediately yeah. immediately the second i was walking in the front door uh, or the back door of my house it had a screen in the front you know so i was carrying two coffees and a bag of delicious egg and cheese biscuits and i'm trying to open the door and the top comes off the coffee yep i squeeze it a little bit as i'm opening the door with my hands full and the coffee comes out onto my wrist and immediately yeah the skin is gone immediately. My skin is just gone. Yeah, and it's I'm looking at red flesh. Yep, um, like red, like f- several layers of skin is just gone, and it's yep. bleeding all over the place. I have to drop all the McDonald's and instantly put it under ice. And I was just like, "Holy shit!" I mean, yep. And so we. I'm not saying everyone should sue McDonald's, but 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 then coffee we, should not. Take several layers of no. skin immediately and we looked up that off case. your flesh. Do you remember looking up that case after that happened oh, and yeah. seeing the pictures of her injuries? Oh, and she spilled it, it on her, her. So yeah, so like I looked, her yeah, so we did the research. She spilled it on her sweatpants. She was sitting in the back seat, in between two other people, and they passed it back to her. And she spilled it on her lap, and yep. her sweatpants like kept it against her skin yes. because they were soaked, and so. It burned like it burned for until she could get out of the car, yep. get pulled over, get her sweatpants off. Yep. So I had it for a second on my wrist. I can't and imagine. And panicked and put it underwater yeah. immediately. I mean, the sink was right there. Yeah. She had it all over her legs, and this is an old woman. Her legs and her crotch. And it stuck to her crotch. Mm-hmm. So, and back then I thought that was frivolous and it was ridiculous. I and who's this that idiot too. suing McDonald's? Yep. Once I got some McDonald's, and this was in two thousand and six or something or yeah seven. it was a lot yet later than uh it was they're still doing that yeah and coffee does not need to be that hot 1994 cost of a super bowl ad 1994 nine hundred you're exactly right it keeps going by 50 grand yes it does you're a super bowl ad genius is what you are <laughs> it's not really a very fun game even yeah it's stupid i don't know why you say it every time i'm keeping it in Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time on American Timelines to take a deep dive. All right. So, deep dive. Uh, we're on dive. July 13th. Yes. Of 1994. What was going on July 13th? Oh, so we talked about Jeff Gillooly. Yes. Um, he was sentenced to two years on, on, on July, July 13th. 13th. Okay. And O.J. Simpson was charged with murder, and he gave hair samples for testing on July 13th. Okay. Bill Clinton was the president. Angels in the Outfield was the number one movie. Also, mm-hmm. The Client with Susan Sarandon and Tommy Lee. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that. All for One was the number one song. Yeah. I swear. Oh, God. In the moon. No more. In this. No Warren more. G. Regulate. 
Riders, mount up. Or oh, something, mount up. Regulators, mount up. That's right. Oh, yeah. Janet remember. Jackson, anytime, mm-hmm. in any place, I don't care. Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories. Remember that? Stay. Oh, yes. Because I missed you. Those glasses. Mm-hmm. Ace of Base. Don't turn around. Uh-huh. Never gonna see my happy man. Is that what I say? Uh, um, yeah, I guess. And on television this night, on, on TV this night, July 13th was a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. CBS was The Nanny. Yeah. Uh, and after The Nanny was a show called Good Advice, which I researched this night, had no idea. Yeah. Do you remember this show? No. Shelley Long, Treat Williams, and Terry Garr. No. It was only on for two seasons. Um, Shelley Long was a- You remember this? No, not at oh, all. Okay. That's why I had to research. I was like, what is this? Shelley Long was a successful marriage therapist and the author of a best-selling book on the subject. Upon returning from a six-week promotional tour, she discovers her husband of 11 years, Joey, played by Christopher McDonald, in bed with another man. Furthermore, when she returns to her therapy office, she learns she is now sharing it with high-profile divorce attorney Jack Harold Treat Williams. Oh, Susan, love is in the air. Yeah, while Susan and Jack don't agree on the basics of relationships, love or marriage, the one thing they do share is an undeniable sexual chemistry. They were trying to recreate Sam and Diane, and it was not a success. Nope. On ABC that night was The Dinosaurs, The Critic, Home Improvement, and Grace Under Fire with Rhett Butler. Remember her? Mm-hmm. Fox had 90210 and The Models, Inc. happened. Um, so just after 2 a.m. on July 13th, yeah, police were called to a crime scene that um, was a triple murder. July 13th, so the morning of July 13th. Yeah, and 2 a.m. So um, it was a crime. Before that, all those shows were on. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was a crime that would take them 10 years to bring to justice. Police were called where? Bellevue, Washington. Bellevue, Washington. Yes. Um, it was the Ruffay family. and Did you spell that? R-A-F-A-Y, Ruffay. Ruffay. Ruffay family. So Triple murder. Yes, so huh. I got a lot of this information from the 48 Hours website. <laughs> okay, so um, the story begins July 13th, 1994, with a call for help. Sebastian Burns and his friend, Atif Rafay, had, had stumbled in onto a horrific crime scene. Atif's parents had been found murdered. Atif Rafay? Rafay. R-A-F-A-Y. Atif is the Atif first Atif okay. yes. His parents had been found murdered. In, in and July. he's with his friend Sebastian. Okay. Um, so Sultana Rafay, Atif's mother, had been the first to be killed. And um, Sebastian tells them he see, he saw her lying on the floor. So he comes home. They from come somewhere? home. They both come home from the movies at two in the morning. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Already suspicious. And Atif's father, Tariq Rafay, was the next to be murdered, and he Wait, was. Is it two boys that come home? Yeah. That they're both boys. That yeah. Come home and they're discover both boys. this murder yeah. scene. Um, the and the father was had been up in the bedroom, and he had been bludgeoned like thirty to forty times. Uh, like it was overkill. It was yeah. So that's a he was face that, was now, just his head I'm, I'm was picking this mush. up because you're making me watch this stuff. That makes you think it's a crime of passion. Yeah, somebody be. that knows him. Yeah, strangers don't bash somebody over the head th- over thirty times, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm putting together. Or here. it's a or it could be. I mean, we'll get to this. I mean, it could be. There's other things too. That okay, there's be. other things that are coming up, but. But that's not out of the ordinary for me to think right. that. It's not. So you're saying I'm a great detective. So um, as the boys waited for help to arrive, a third victim, oh, Atif's... Wait, how old are these boys? Do we know? They're 19, I think. They're 19-year-old yeah. boys, so they're so, like after high school, but... Yeah, before college. college yeah. Um, Atif's, Atif's sister, he had an s- older sister with autism. Oh, and um, How old is she she's was still alive, and she was moaning in the bedroom. Oh, no. She's at the house. She's at the house, but they didn't check on her. Like, they they went in, and they found the place. They found the mom and dad. They found the mom and the, the dad. And the place was, like, trashed. Sort of, yeah. Sort of, yeah. And um, Sort of, yeah. I'll, I'll get to it. Ugh. And But the sister was in the... They could tell she was alive, and she's, like, moaning in the bedroom. But, but she they, was injured. They didn't go check on her they just called 911 and then they went outside and waited because they called they saw the parents dead yes called 911 went outside heard the sister yes but continue to just go outside go outside and wait for the police but not not talk to her or anything right because she had autism I don't know she she died at the hospital a few hours after the attack Um, something ain't right and the police chief said it would make sense that she was murdered last because everybody knew she couldn't make a 911 call 
So she had, she was pretty severe. Yes. Yeah. So the Rafays had just moved to Bellevue from Vancouver, Canada. The mom had a doctorate in nutrition, and she, but she was she a stay-at-home mom. Okay. And Tariq Rafay was a structural engineer who had worked on buildings around the world. Oh, so they had money. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't figure out who would take the lives of this quiet family and spare the life of their only son. Um, so the detectives started to look more closely at the crime scene. Yeah, it, uh, I already think it's the son. Well, in the 911 call, Sebastian, who's the friend, right, said there was a break-in when he reported so what had happened. So he's the one who called? Yes. He, and he had said there was a break-in. He said just looking at that room, the detectives said just looking at that room, you start realizing it looks like someone set it up. Set Boxes up. were tipped over and drawers were open, but nothing appeared to have been gone through. So it I looked like it was a it's a staged. Song. We know it. Because you're scene. not going to not check on your sister whether she has autism or not. I mean, right, right. That's I mean, a weird thing. Yeah, unless you're a horrible person. So then that night, when police asked what was missing, Atif said two things: the disc, his Walkman, and a VCR. And so he says the only things missing are his Walkman, which and, was twenty nine dollars. Yeah. We and learned a last episode, and a VCR. Which were expensive in the 80s, but by 94, they weren't that expensive anymore. Right, and the detective thought someone murdered three people and took his Walkman and VCR. That doesn't make any sense. You're not going to break into a rich person's house and take a Walkman and a VCR. VCRs were more, I mean, obviously now they're not worth anything, but then they were maybe 150 bucks or something. But but still. not. So detectives um, looked into who these two boys were. Sebastian and Atif had been best friends since high school. Okay. They, they became very good friends because they were both really um, intelligent, precocious. The um, murderers. They were smart asses. They were they were both smart asses. Smart asses. Um, Sebastian was raised in a loving family with English roots and grew up playing classical cello. He was very smart, That's and intellectual. The That's the friend. Yeah. I you know I've to this day I've never trusted anybody who plays the cello. I used to play the cello. Oh shit. Yep. That's the um, that's the. We're getting to the root of yeah. our marriage problems. Sebastian became a member <laughs> of the kidding, Royal Canadian Air problems. Cadets and was given an award by Prince Albert. No, Prince Edward. And Atif attended Cornell University. Prince Albert? Did you say no, Prince, Prince Edward. I did. I, like <laughs> I did say Prince say Albert. That at first. You know what a Prince Albert is? <laughs> I do know what that is, yes. It was the summer of their freshman year of college when their lives took this unexpected turn. So, so they were freshmen in college. Police took the two to the station where they were examined for traces of blood and, and they found nothing. No blood on them. No, nothing. They were separated yes. and questioned separately. You know. Yes, that. and um, when asked where they had been that evening, they provided a full account. At eight thirty, they drove to a restaurant to, a bite to eat. Friendly's restaurant, probably. They uh, then they went to a nine fifty showing of the Lion King, and then after the movie, they stopped for a bite to eat and oh, left the did. waitress a six dollar tip on a nine dollar tab. You know, it checks out that the Lion King was out then. So right. Well, but and why they, would you give a six dollar tip on a nine dollar tab? Well, it's like the what the police started. What what do you get for nine dollars? Police said that everywhere they went, the people who had contact with them remembered them. They were, um, they were. So they hired somebody. They were making it very obvious that they were, um, that they were at these places. Yeah, right. Yes, like leaving a giant tip, and then they complained about something at the movies and all of this stuff. Uh, so, so, but they something were else up their trail while they were murdering. Um, something else the, tr- the trouble police were how could Sebastian and Atif provide so much detail about where they had been that evening but not recall key moments at the murder scene um, then they also then they got even more suspicious when the two boys were spotted at a local video store renting movies the night after the murder so they put them up in a hotel yeah. and they went out and they rented movies yeah so, so you're in a hotel because your family has just been killed and, you rent a and movie. you're gonna like you're going to, well, we'll go watch. Uh, I mean, maybe there was nothing else to do. I don't know, but. But, but you think about it, back then when you had to rent a movie, you're not yeah. going to a Redbox. No, I know. You're, you're going, going to, to a, a video store. Gaspari's yeah. Pizza Video. That's right. And you're getting pizza and you're getting a video. And, no, it just doesn't check out. Doesn't check out. So the police pressed the boys further. They wanted to know why Atif didn't help his dying sister, even though he heard her through the bedroom door. Yeah, that's my big thing. Is he didn't even check on her? That's bullshit right there. I don't care who you are. Three days after the murders, relatives of the Rafays gathered in Bellevue to bury the victims. But the only surviving member of the immediate family, Atif, was nowhere to be found. He was on a bus headed across the border to Canada with his best friend, Sebastian. Boom. Now you know they did it. So they go, and Atif claimed that Nobody told him his parents were going to be buried, 
and nobody told him about the funeral, but there's a Muslim rule that you have to be buried, like, I think it's three days after a funeral. But um, maybe maybe Atif didn't think it would happen since it was a murder or something. But um, He did it. So in Vancouver, the boys... Joe Splain did it. In Vancouver, the boys were out of reach of the Bellevue detectives and an investigation that targeted them for the murder of the Rafay family. Their sudden bus trip across the border only raised more suspicion, even though they were both Canadian citizens. Um, So the detective thinks that they're guilty. Never trust Canadians. But he he just doesn't have enough evidence. Um, They went in, they searched the house. They found no forced entry. Uh, there was, of course not. There was, they did a luminol test, which is the stuff that shows up blood. They did a luminol test. Like blood that's been cleaned up, yes. you mean? Yeah. yeah. And they showed an enormous amount of blood on the shower walls. That so was cleaned up? The, yeah. So the, killer had, so the killer had used the shower before leaving. Uh, it was traces of blood. Uh, so it was the killer that used the he shower. He killed his family, man. So We know he did it. It, they they thought is that why the boys didn't have a trace of blood in their hair, their hands, or anywhere on their body? They showered together, so they didn't have any physical evidence against the boys. But the detectives started to build a case, um, they, based on their odd behavior following the murders. They cooperated. They did everything that was asked of them, but they had this air and this attitude about it. Like yeah. they're real snotty and they're real unlikable. Yeah. I don't know if that makes them murderers, but they're it's real hard to to like well, them. I go through life assuming everyone who I meet that's unlikable is a murderer. Yeah. Well, they honed in on their demeanor at the crime scene and questioned why they sat in front of the house if they believed an intruder might still be there because they, they... Yeah, it's all... They didn't... Yeah, you don't check on the sister. You just let her die or whatever. You don't even look at her. And then and, you yeah. wait in front of the house. Police also couldn't make sense of why Atif would notice that his disc man and his VCR were missing in throughout the whole house that he just knew that those two things weren't there. Yeah, if you didn't, yeah, he just came back from the movies. Um, yeah. So, um, on the advice of a lawyer, the boys decided to stop cooperating with Bellevue authorities. So, they start digging and they and they found some other stuff that was kind of dumb. Like, they had been in, a, Sebastian had been in a high school play called Rope. Oh, uh, that's a terrible play. About two kids that commit the perfect murder. Oh, that gave just, them the idea? That's what the police thought. I think that's a little bit of a stretch. Uh. I mean... I think well, of all the plays we've been in and stuff. Like, well, I've actually done every single thing that was in the um, plot of every play that I've ever been in. So, so um, cops are good. As the investigation continued, the boys they bought they bought BMWs for their, themselves. Oh well, shit! And they rented an apartment. Make it more obvious, a holes. Like was the money from Atif's parents' estate is what they of used. Of course, yeah. Uh, what does this famous thing have a name? Does this? Have a name this murder? They all have kitchen. No, names. it's like yeah, it's Franklin Park Three. No, they <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, it sucks. So maybe they, we can name they start it living at an apartment with another high school friend named Jimmy Miyoshi. Oh God, I hate Jimmy Miyoshi, man. That dude is nothing but trouble. So they move in with Jimmy Miyoshi. They, they hid from the media. They they're still media in Canada. Was, yeah, and the media is constantly pursuing them in the story. I thought everyone in Canada but was cool. Then the RCMP, the old Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Oh, it's like the Mountie. Remember I told yes. you about the wrestler that Sergeant yes. Slaughter fought that was Canadian? Well, they decided to get in into the mix. On, on April 10th, 1995, the investigators intercepted a phone message that confirmed that a salon appointment with Sebastian. Sebastian's going to go get his hair cut. But they, April 10th of 95. So they were both, they were Canada's most famous teenage murder suspects, but they wanted to make a, a screenplay about best friends accused of murdering a family and they thought accused, they were accused but we're gonna get off yeah the royal canadian mounted police had this m- tactic that they would use uh, to get confessions from people like called the they called it the mr big tactic as as sebastian left the salon a stranger approached him asking for a ride to his hotel the stranger then took sebastian to a bar and bought him a drink for his trouble he gave him like a hundred bucks or something to to, to driving to his hotel um and then sebastian told the stranger that he and his buddies had written a screenplay sebastian said he didn't have a job and needed financing and then the stranger said he knew someone who could help the goal was to get sebastian to meet with the next guy up the chain so this is all like a sting operation right so sebastian thought he was about to meet a connected businessman but he actually met with this undercover sergeant the rcmp which spent months preparing to manipulate their target, posed as professional mobsters and set up their first meeting with Sebastian in a strip club. 
So he's meeting with mobsters thinking they're going to fund his movie? It's all a setup. The guy that met him was a, really an undercover cop, and then they introduced him to the next guy up the chain. And um, Sebastian, um, so the crime boss told Sebastian he had cash to invest in his screenplay, but Sebastian would have to earn it. And Sebastian had no idea, however, that he was being offered work in a make-believe world of crime. So jobs were also promised to Atif and Miyoshi, and it would be things like running, you know, laundering money or um, just these uh, these like and they fake thought it was crimes. Real mob. And they thought it they was, thought real it was real crimes. Mobsters. They thought these were real mobsters, and these were real crimes, and they were what? getting paid. So Sebastian's first assignment was to transport a stolen car from the cri- for the crime boss for two hundred dollars. Then Sebastian and Jimmy Miyoshi went from one bank to another, laundering money. And then for that day's work, they were paid $2,000. So months go by, and the undercover operators took Sebastian to all these posh hotels, trying to build his trust and draw him out. And they slowly start bringing up the topic of the investigation of in Bellevue and they try to draw Sebastian out by telling him he already knew what happened so he's got the big crime boss and he's like you know we need to build trust between the two of us and right. we need to right. know what really happened but we the already do know tell it, yeah. and um, Holy shit. Sebastian what? doesn't admit to guilt but confides in the mobsters that if the police did find something to tie him to the crime he might want that to, to be destroyed and so Sebastian's confident his movie's going to make millions if he's suddenly proven innocent so the guy tells Sebastian that the Bellevue police have physical evidence tying him to the crime, which is not true. Which is not true. And to make it real, Haslett shows Sebastian a phony memo on Bellevue police letterhead detailing the evidence linking Sebastian to the murders. And I mean, they had it on the me- in the media too. They had it. Uh, so it's really elaborate. So it's really setup. believable. Yeah. yeah. So the mob- mobsters offer to destroy the so-called evidence, but they need Sebastian to tell them exactly what happened in the Riffey house the night of the murder. Oh, man. And, you know, he's been denying and denying it. And finally, on July 18th, 1995, one year after the murders, Sebastian meets Haslett at the Ocean Point Resort, and the cameras are rolling. And he walks into the room, and he takes off his shoes, stretches out on the love seat, and at that point, he lets his guard down. And he starts to confess. And um, later, he would say that, the guy because the guys were really pressuring him and really pressuring him and and not threatening him but they know that they're dangerous supposedly dangerous mobsters right. and so you think it would be poly said, walnuts and he said all that, that he, he said that he he told them what he thought they wanted to hear but the police are like no this is but your confession conf- but he confessed but he said he made it up because he thought that's right. what they wanted to hear so then the next day he brings a teeth to the crime boss to tell his story which was recorded in, on an undercover tape Sebastian, Atif, and Miyoshi were arrested, but the case is just beginning. Sebastian says he was lying. Undercover officers had intimidated him into making the confession. But no sooner were they arrested than the same Canadian government that set up the trap to catch them led an international battle to spare their lives. Washington wants them to be extradited, but if they go to Washington, uh, they'll face the death penalty. And Canada has abolished it and doesn't want to extradite them because of that. Gotcha. So, um, finally, the prosecutor in Seattle agrees that they won't seek the death penalty. So, they are um, now 25 years old. They're finally extradited to face the murder after six years of legal wrangling. So, it took six years of all this legal wrangling across the border. Mm-hmm. They finally get extradited to face the murder charges. So, they get this team of attorneys that believe they're innocent. Teresa Olson, who's a um, public defender, but then... Guards at the King County Jail report seeing her having sex with Sebastian during an attorney-client meeting. So then she gets kicked off the case. banging one of the dudes? Mm -hmm. Yep. Is he that desirable, do you think? Well, I don't know. No, not really. just can't control themselves? But um, so his new attorneys were this Ivy League dream team. They were among Seattle's best and most expensive criminal defense lawyers. When you say Ivy League dream team, do you mean... Greg the Hammer Valentine and no, Bruce the Barber. No, that's not what I'm think- they were thinking. They were the dream team. So by September 2003, Sebastian and Atif had been in jail for more than eight years, charged but never convicted for the Rafay family murders. Really? Um, never convicted. It would be up to the Supreme Court Judge Charles Myrtle to decide if Sebastian and Atif's oh, chilling confessions murder comes walking would be through. allowed to damn them in an American court because it's illegal that Mr. Big Thing is all illegal in America. The whole thing they setting did to them up because set it's entrapment. Yeah, it's entrapment. And but it's illegal I here. I like it. I like it. I don't know about but, you, but I like it. I want to move to Canada. But um, the healthcare, y'all. The Superior Court judge ruled that it would be 
admiss, admitted into evidence. So it was a controversial ruling, and it, so it allowed their own words to be used against them. Um, but while the confessions may be shocking, the defense says they're not true. So finally, in November 2003, more than nine years after the Rafay murders, they get their day in court. They ask the detective to retrace the boys' drive home from downtown Seattle, where they were seen that night. The drive timed out to 18 minutes, at eight, and 18 minutes would leave three minutes for them to be in the house before calling 911. And the prosecutor said that's not enough time in the house to find the bodies and do all the things that Sebastian and Atif told police they did. Yeah. Pull the fa family car into the garage, enter the home through the garage, so, so discover they they and comprehend that... Before they went to the movie. They, so they did all the alibi stuff later to like I, make it clear. No, well, they think they snuck out from the movie. Right. Came back and killed him and then went back, back to the to theater. Back to the movie. That gives you two hours, yeah. That That's a little bit. I don't know. So um, Smart is what it is. It's smart. So I'm taking note of that for next time I want to murder somebody. So they, um, But it wasn't just the murders. In that three minutes, they also needed time to figure out there'd been a burglary and that a VCR and a disc van were missing. But the defense's claim of the boy's innocence is bolstered by testimony from neighbors on both sides of the Rafay house who heard sounds coming from inside the Rafay house at a time when the boys had an airtight alibi at the movies. The prosecution argued even though the boys were going to see the 950 movie, there's no proof they stayed. The defense argued that even though it could have happened that way, there was no proof it did. Prosecutors were grasping at straws to get a conviction. You know what you do? You interview the kids about the movie The Lion King. Like, how did it end? Yeah, really. Uh, what are the characters' names? Brah. Um, so this, they did have a surprise witness that was a, a friend from the boys' high school days who had once dated Sebastian. She claimed she had a late-night conversation with both of them years ago where they, where they talked about um, murder. They planted a seed for murder or something. He wanted to. See, he said he wanted to kill somebody someday. Oh boy! I mean, you gotta be pretty low down to murder your own parents, man. Yeah, the judge didn't let that let the jury hear that testimony. So it had been years since Miyoshi had seen his high school buddies. He had moved to Japan and was living under another name when prosecutors forced him to return to Seattle and face his friends at their oh, murder trial. Man. He was once also a target of the RCMP, who believed he had helped his friends plan the murder. They had wanted him to give a full confession on tape, but he had refused to implicate his friends in the murder if, for the Mr. Big thing. Huh. But back then, he said his friends were innocent, but he got increasing pressure. He eventually agreed to cooperate, and he was granted immunity from charges of conspiracy to commit murder. So then Miyoshi began to reveal more to the police about what he knew, but you didn't know if what he was going to do. So then he tells the court that during a drive from Seattle to Vancouver, a T first, first mentioned the idea of killing his family. He recounted a discussion about how the boys would commit the crime and they said they'd use a baseball bat. The prosecution said Miyoshi consulted on an especially chilling part of the plan. Sebastian and Atif visited the Rafay family five days before the murder and that was no coincidence. It was part of the plan. So um, they had found Sebastian's DNA in the shower but he had been staying there for five days, so it, it would have been in there would have anyway. Been there anyway. And fingerprints and all of that stuff would have been there. Would have been that. everywhere, so you can't prove that. Um, Wash all the blood off him. But Miyoshi finally did say a thief watched while Sebastian bludgeoned his family. But Sebastian denies ever discussing a plan to murder the family with Miyoshi, and he says Miyoshi didn't have a choice but to testify against his friends because they were going to give him life in prison. So the experts analyzed the patterns on the blood on the wall and found drops everywhere except in one area where there was no blood, indicating that another killer may have stood there during the attack. And they also said a pillow was moved during the bludgeoning. Then they thought there was a third killer who was um, in the house too because of the blood spatter evidence. So there was some evidence there was three people in, that were involved. Now Mayoshi could have been the third. I think but Joe eventually they were, they, were, um, pro they were prosecuted. They were convicted. Of the murders. Of, they were. Yes, they, they were ended convicted. up getting convicted. They go to jail? Yes, they're in jail. They're in jail right now? Yep. Um, they went back to court in 2004 to hear their sentence. They both got um, life, three life sentences to run consecutively. Huh. Um, and there is a, there's a Netflix show called The Confession Tapes that I was saying was supposed to be good, and one of them yeah. is about this case. The Confession Tapes. Yep. And so that is, so, so one of the on alternate, Netflix, Netflix of, if you'd like to support us, $10 yep. million dollars a second. One of the alternate theories is that um, the dad was a Sunni 
Muslim yeah. and was very outspoken against the, the Shia community. And um, there was a couple, there was a couple other murders that had happened that were very similar um, months before that were religiously motivated. And so there was talk that maybe it was something like that. Would that be terrible if they were in jail and they didn't, all they did was see a movie and. Yeah. And they're just guilty of being idiots. Yeah. I mean, the only thing, the only thing I thought that would make me think that possibly they're innocent is that I would think if they're in that mob life, I would think they would admit it sooner. Yeah. It took Uh, a long time for them to admit it. Because I think they'd be like trying to earn these mafia guys trust me. Yeah. We murdered. I would think they would do that sooner. Yeah. But still, if you're going to leave your sister with autism, just. To, I mean, unless you're just an asshole and you don't care about her, yeah, then I guess you deserve to be in prison. Well, I don't know, I, yeah. nobody deserves that. But unless you know, unless a running back who scored 100 touchdowns wants to put you in prison, okay. that's okay. All right, we better wind this up, babe. Yeah, uh, it's pretty boring. No, one thing I want to add is uh, July 12th of '94 because that was July 13th, yes, at two in the morning. So that day, while they were at the movie. Um, Tommy Dreamer uh, teamed up with Terry and Dory Funk Jr. to take on the Public Enemy and Hack Myers, and, and then the Tasmaniac also fought Jimmy Superfly Snuka in ECW. I'm glad that, we know that. That was really big. That was extreme championship wrestling, so I want you to know that. Okay, well, that's important. Well, it is important for you important to know. To my life. For, well, it's for you to realize Jimmy Superfly Snuka is really the key that brings us all together. All right. So anyway, they were convicted, and I think maybe you and I should... Go visit them in prison and talk to them. I don't think we're going to do that. Okay, so All check right. out the mo- the show on Netflix. What's it called? The Confession Tapes. The Confession Tapes on Netflix. And thank you for joining us for Episode 5, 1994 of American Timelines. Get out of here, Chuck Berry. Get the hell out of here, Chuck Berry. Get to the challenge, baby. I'll blow it. I can sing you a song, but you already know it. And you know it's okay if you think it's a shame. Because a record poem will need by my cocaine. The ladies of the 80s, they've been treating me fine. And so I don't really Got one by Matt Truman Ego Trip available at Amazon.com.